Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Mark Daguerre continues our series on Lessons from Life Stories, looking at the life of Lot. And now, here's Mark. Right. Good morning, everyone. All right. Let's uh, just begin with prayer. Uh, Father, as we come together to worship you through the study of your word, we just uh, ask that you would open our hearts so that we could hear what you've prepared for us and that your living word may speak to us and meet us exactly where we are today. In your name we pray. Amen. So open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. We're going to be looking at chapter 12 in the book of Genesis. You know, every good story is made up of a similar framework. Uh, Whether it's a work of fiction like The Lord of the Rings, or uh, if it's something of historical and spiritual significance like the book of Genesis. A good story will have characters, it will have a setting, a plot, uh, conflict, and then finally we'll have the resolution and if it's a really good story, then you'll, able, you'll be able to revisit it and pick up on new things that you may not have picked up the first time. And character development, that is something that could either make or break a story. Depending on the role, um, we are provided with certain insight into a person's uh, situation and their personality. And uh, whether it's a a uh, principal, secondary, or tertiary role, uh, a well-developed character will have a lot of depth. Just like when a good casting director is looking for a specific kind of actor to fill a role within a film, they want to make sure that every role, whether it's a minor or major one, will be filled with just the right person. And if you can't imagine a, a role in a film being done with some other kind of Uh, actor doing that role, then you know the casting director did a really good job. But as much as an actor may have a good backstory, or they are, you know, they are just playing a part in a film. They're just acting. They haven't really lived it out. Unlike Hollywood, we are not make-believe. Our past cannot be changed to suit our current storyline. And what we are doing in this life, has real results or real consequences. There are many secondary characters in our story, but you are the principal character in your own story, narrating it from a first-person perspective. Now, the character that we're going to be looking at today is also a real person, not created by Hollywood. He's a man by the name of Lot. He was the nephew of Abraham. You know, it could be difficult, if not impossible, uh, to unsee or to unhear something once it's been set into your mind. And such is the case with the life of Lot. One of the effects of knowing the story and the, the outcome, especially one like this, is it can be quite difficult to hear it anew. So we're going to have to exercise our brains this morning, okay? We're going to have to pretend like we don't know what the outcome is going to be, okay? So try to forget what happens there. So we're going to have to put uh, our knowledge aside, 
And we're going to have to try to see this as it's happening from Lot's perspective. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land into the place of Sharem, unto the plain of Moreh. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon <clears throat> the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. You know, I have to let that, what just happened, just sink in and for a moment here. Because I have to say, what an amazing testimony. To think that a person would leave relatives and friends gather their belongings, bring their family to this place that they've never been to or seen in order to follow God and stand on his promises, promises of something that have yet to happen, and Abraham was there too. No, I say it tongue-in-cheek because I just want to make sure we're on the same page here. I'm talking about Lot. See, as you read the story, it becomes quite clear that Abram is the principal character in this narration. Okay, Lot is a secondary character. But from Lot's perspective, he is the primary character in his own story. Okay, and although we have limited information, we can still see that he's a complex person. A man of high regard for his uncle, and therefore was deeply influenced by him, a man that cared a man of knowledge and intelligence. It's easy to glide over the story of Lot, you know, and all these amazing things he did and the tough decisions that he had to take because we know how it ends. But in the beginning, Lot made the same choices that Abram made. He chose to leave what he knew in order to follow God. To top it off, Lot had to make his decision based on what Abram said. You see, Abram had the privilege of having God tell him directly. It wouldn't be so difficult if God just shows up to us and says, oh, by the way, I need you to pack up and go. I think we would be listening. But since God hadn't appeared to Lot, he had to rely solely on the witness of Abram. To be fair, though, Lot had known Abram his entire life. Okay, He wasn't just following some snake oil swindler. 
he would have had firsthand, uh, seen at firsthand that Abram was a man of upstanding character, a man unlike others in the area, a man that had a strong desire to be with God. He had a good trust in his uncle. He was pretty solid. And when Abram announced that he was going to move to a faraway place that God had prepared for him, Lot believed him and he believed the promise as well. And then he took that and then he followed his uncle. So consider that for a moment because it wouldn't be an easy thing to do. If you think about it, you know, if someone that you knew comes up to you and he says, oh, by the way, uh, God came to me and he spoke to me. He wants me to pick it all up. Grab my family. Let's go, guys. We're moving to a place we've never been to. I think I would have a couple of questions before I would consider coming along. First question is, um, are you feeling well? Do you have a fever? Do you, have, do you need medicine? Okay. Second, once we've resolved that issue, I'd be like, okay, this place we're going to, is it going to be colder or warmer than this place? If I like the answer for number two, then I would move on to the third question. Right? Okay, so where exactly are we going? How long are we going to be there? What are we supposed to do when we're there? Okay, and that's just the preliminary questions. But you understand what I mean. Lot didn't drill down on this. Lot was willing to go. So Lot believed God's promises, and he, was, and he believed that God was going to keep them. And so Abraham followed God, and Lot followed Abram which is how most people begin their journey with God, isn't it? Think of it. We hear about God's promises through someone, and we want to hear more about it. We want to hear what they have to say about God, and it draws us closer to God as well. And so we follow them and we listen. And we have this sense of their intimate knowledge with the Lord. And it draws us closer to it as well. And it causes us to want to follow the Lord all the more. It's not because they were hip and cool. It's because they were real and they had real answers to our questions. And that's a good thing as we are seeking the Lord. But there comes a point in time where there needs to be a transition. A transition from following a follower to following alongside them. And getting to know personally the God that they are following. The Apostle Paul says it this way. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul is saying, walk in the same direction as me. Don't walk behind me and follow me. Walk in the same direction as me, beside me. In parallel, both looking on to Jesus. Men fail, Jesus never fails. And our primary relationship is with the Lord. And so Lot went with Abram to the promised land. And the strangest thing happens when they get there. The Bible says that there was a famine in the land. Talk about putting a uh, a shock to the system, a spoke in your wrench, right? The very place that God was bringing you to, there's a famine. So if I wasn't questioning Abram before this point, I think I'd be having a lot of questions for him at this point now. I'd be maybe thinking about going back home to where I came from because, hey, back there, there was fertile land. It was on the side of the Euphrates. Not like this famine that we're dealing with here. But not Lot. He continued to believe in the promise. And he continued to follow Abram. And he went into the land of Egypt with Abram. Again, see, we know how the outcome 
is going to happen, right? So it's easy for us to say, well, you know, maybe that was the wrong decision, Lot. You know, maybe you shouldn't have done this. Maybe you should have done that. But maybe for him, it wasn't a major issue. Remember, he's following his, his uncle. Maybe to him, it was just a side trip while God was preparing the land for them. To top it off, while they were there, they prospered. So clearly, God had blessed them. And then came the time for Abraham to have to leave. He had to be on his way. Lot could have decided to stay back in Egypt. He could have, you know, for anyone else, this could have been the place where the trip stops. He could have taken account for all of his blessings that he had and said, you know what, that's all because of me, all because of my hard work, maybe because of my contacts, whatever the case. Okay? But I think the evidence points to him understanding that his blessing came because God had blessed them for Abram's sake. So when Abram decided to go, Lot was going to stay with them. He was not going to stay behind. He wanted to continue with Abram because he knew that God was leading him. And so they made their way back to the land of Canaan. Chapter 13 and verse 5. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, uh, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between the, my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, for me, from me. <clears throat> Excuse me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. And if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou come unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. And they separated themselves the one from the other, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. <clears throat> if you've ever seen photos of the harsh, desolate area where the locations of Sodom and Gomorrah once were located, you would have never guessed that at one time this was some of the luscious land in the area. It's desolate. From a real estate perspective, this would have been the best there was. It's like they say, location, location, location. Right? If we were to invest in property, I think that this would have been the place to pitch our tent. But Lot spent less time with Abram after a while. And as he was doing this, he chose to spend his time on other things. And instead of choosing to seek the face of God and his will, he began to invest his time in the things of this world. And he was allowing ungodly people now to influence his decision-making. He moved out of the tent village of godly influence because he just didn't want to live in a hole anymore. So he moved to a city of reprobates. You know, this kind of thing rarely happens in this drastic overnight change to someone's character. It usually happens by taking a step in the wrong direction. And a step that is left unguarded 
or if it's not corrected quickly, will lead to another step, and it's followed by another one. And that step leads to the next one, and before you know it, you've gone down this completely different path that you had no intention of going down in the first place. And once Lot stepped onto this slippery slope, it took him down quicker than he could even imagine. And before he knew it, he was living in the most ungodly city, and he was climbing the ladder of society within its walls. And it was a gradual descent. You know, we are to live in the world, but we are not to be of the world. And that concept is easy to hear. But it is difficult to comprehend when you are in the habit of making compromises. And without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the things of this world can be way too tempting to try to deal with them by ourselves. And what's amazing is that those things that they would sell out for, in the end, they become quite worthless. So God provides us with many wake-up calls. Sometimes it's a softly spoken word, sometimes it's more abrupt, but it's always for our benefit. In Lot's case, at one point, a large group comes over to war against the cities of the plain. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah were left empty-handed because the bad guys came and took everything. Lot found out that you could lose everything in the blink of an eye. Chapter 14, I'm going to read from verse 11. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol, the brother of Onar. And these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in the house, in his own house, 318, and pursued them on to Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them, and pursued them on to Hovah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. So this was Lot's wake-up call. Everything he had uh, had gained had been taken away by this opposing army. All they had worked for was gone, but more importantly, all of his family was gone. You know, things are replaceable. Family is not replaceable. The cities of the plains and these large numbers of people were not even able to defend themselves against these people, but yet Abram and his little group, they were able to save them all. Just imagine Abram and his insignificant little group coming over the crests of the hill as these people were there, and these people would see this little group coming towards them. To the enemy, this would have been laughable. But before they knew it, Abram and his homies here, they took care of business, right? They set the captives free. It would have been so obvious that God was the reason that they were freed, that they won this battle, because his fingerprints were all over it. If you think about it, this army was able to take out all the people and all the goods, take off with it, and then you have Abraham's ragtag group of 318 people taking care of business. So you can imagine how Lot would have felt helpless as he was being carried away captive with his family. It's like God was giving Lot a little taste of the upcoming judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And Abram was a picture of the Savior. No doubt when it was all over, Law would have been super grateful. You can imagine him going through such an event and then being freed by his uncle. And this would have been the perfect opportunity to turn back to God. But for whatever reason, when we have an opportunity to get right with God, we may choose to procrastinate. So we put it off another day. And instead of thinking things through, we actually allow ourselves to be led by by our feelings. And after a while, those feelings go away because, you know, feelings are shallow. They don't have any substance. And before you know it, we end up going, uh, we never end up doing the thing we were supposed to do, which is to get right with God. And besides, feeling bad for what happened and then feeling uh, grateful for being delivered from that situation all the while acknowledging God for it is not how Lot or any of us gets into a right relationship with the Savior. It's by acknowledging that that what we've done was against God. It was sin. And that we turn away from that sin and we turn to God and we get salvation through Jesus Christ, through the finished work of Christ. Unfortunately, though, Lot chose to walk again in the wrong direction. And he continued to allow the world system to influence him and his family. He became comfortable with the wickedness. And instead of trying to influence them and point them to God, what happened is they influenced him and they influenced his family They weakened his faith, and his testimony had now been corrupted. And as I read chapter 9, my heart breaks to think that Lot, the man that so many years ago had trusted God and the promises that he had made, the very man that did not hesitate to follow Abram to this unknown place, the guy that had been delivered out of a famine and was prospering by the hand of God, had now become a poster child for compromise. The man that followed Abram would have been shocked to think that someone would do such wickedness. And here he is now, willing to throw his own daughters to a bunch of vile, wretched animals. You know, when I first became a Christian and I read this account, I remember thinking how insane it was that these people were acting out this way. They were in this highly charged emotional state of mind. And when the angels blind them, instead of trembling in fear, like I would hope somebody would do, they get worked up even more, they lose their minds, they get more aggressive, they cause more chaos. It made no logical sense. And I thought to myself, man, I am so happy I've never seen that kind of behavior. And now I turn on the news and what do I find? You know, people that are highly emotional, easily triggered, abusive, destructive, No fear of God, calling evil good and good evil. I see what's happening in our own city, violence, the drugs, and it seems that the people that have the ability to do something don't. Overall, people are more concerned with their wallet than they are with their neighbors. So many are behaving in a way that makes absolutely no logical sense. And then when you think about it and how the world is behaving today, you'll look at it and you realize, wow, we're on the same trajectory as in the days of Lot. Chapter 19 and verse 14. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. 
But he seemed as one that mocked them unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning rose, the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the man laid hold upon his hand, and upon his wife's hand, and upon the hand of his daughters. And the Lord, being merciful unto him, they brought him forth and set him without the city. Did you get that? He lingered. Think of that. This is an insane moment. The, the, the whole city is going to get destroyed, and he's still not willing to walk. He's lingering. He had to be held by the hand and carried out. To think that a man that was justified before God was making such ungodly decisions. The Bible says that Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness that he saw and that he heard day after day after day. So you see the pattern here. You know, he allowed himself to be in a situation that was extremely toxic and he kept it kept grinding away at him. Now the question is not whether or not uh, we should be around people that have sin in their life. It's not the question at all. The question is whether or not we will compromise. You see, I don't think Lot realized just how much Sodom had taken over his life. He may have been deceived into thinking that he was actually in control, but he was just another prey. The system had chipped away at him until he was left impotent. And when the servants of the Lord came to the city, he knew that the people were so wicked that he couldn't even let them stay out in the streets. And yet he didn't shield his own family members from that wickedness. And now he's trying to be the middleman. He's trying to negotiate with the vermin, trying to be with it again. He's been weak in his stance for years, so why would they take him seriously now? You know, I used to shake my head at Lot's wife. Oh, why did she look back? <clears throat> but you see what? He failed her. He's the one that failed her. She had daughters in that city. And they had light stayed behind with their husbands, right? So as she's being led away from Sodom, she would have heard the destruction that's going on. But it was way too late to do anything. And that the regret would be so overpowering so she would have looked back to see out of a concern for the outcome of her kids. You know, we may not realize that but we have the potential to be a lot more like Lot than we would like to think. Anyone can fall into the trappings of this world. And the moment that we let our guard down, we think, you know what, that won't happen to me. That is the part where the danger rises exponentially that we're going to fall. But what is an amazing thing is that even when we fall, we don't have to dig our own way out of the muck and the mire. Right? All we have to do is call out to Jesus. He is the name that is above all names, and that is not a cliche. The Bible says, The Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials. That doesn't mean good people. It doesn't mean religious people. It means those that have truly put their faith in Christ. You know, we need to stand boldly by the side of Jesus. We can't straddle the middle, middle line trying to appease everyone. It's not a popular line to take, but it's the one that has to be drawn. 
we're either for God or we're against God. And if you're not walking with God and living out his promises, then you are against God. It's like when you're holding a little uh, toddler's hand, you know, and you're walking them somewhere and they're walking with you. It's all happy-go-lucky and you're going along. But if that kid doesn't want to go and they start pulling against you and they start whining and screaming, they're working against you, right? But they don't have to be doing that. They could just plant their feet on the ground and you're not going to move them. They plant their feet. They're not pulling against you. They may not be whining, but they don't want to budge. The fact that they simply stop walking, they're working against you. Where do we stand in God's eyes? Are we walking happily with him? We may not be pulling against him, but are we standing still and say, hmm, not taking this step? You know, over and over in the Bible, God demonstrates his loving kindness, his patience, but also his righteousness, which cannot be separated from who he is, which is why one day he will judge the world in righteousness. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah was a foreshadow of what will happen. At some point in the future, people that are rebelling against God will have to deal with the consequences, and he's not willing that any should perish. And the only way to escape the wrath of God is through the free gift of salvation. You know, you could be a religious person, you could profess to be a Christian, you could have even gone to a Bible college, but if you haven't been born again, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Because if you haven't been born again, you are still rebelling against God. And that should concern you. So maybe you fall into that category. Maybe, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is convicting you at this moment. If that's the case, then you just have to resolve it now. Don't be like Lot. Don't procrastinate. You just ask Jesus to forgive you and to save you. Maybe you're like that child holding on to the parent's hand and you're maybe not fighting against it, but you're staying put and you're saying, no, not me. No. Whether we realize that we were doing it or not, we have have no idea. Our desire should be to walk with the Lord. You know, when Lot began his journey, I don't think he thought that it would have ended up the way it did. All it took was a couple of unguarded steps in the wrong direction. You know, when people... The people that knew Abraham, I should say, uh, if he would have warned people, they may or may not have appreciated the message. They may or may not have liked it. They may or may not have agreed with it. They may or may not have scoffed him. But they knew where he stood. Whereas Lot was compromised. And when he tried to warn people, no one took him seriously. And it all began with a couple of steps. You know, we know a believer's life can be arduous. And the people we know may not be willing to follow. But we still need to continue to influence people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Especially when the world around us seems to be spinning out of control. So as we come to a close, think about what brought you here. You know, you're possibly here because you were at one time influenced by someone whose steps were influenced and directed by Jesus. And here we are. That's why I'm here. And in the story of life, 
you, hmm, for a drink of water. In the story of life, you are a very complex, multi-layered person. You've gone through things, you've taken turns, you've grown in directions that are very personal to you. And as much as people may know you, they will only have a limited ability to understand how all of these things that you have been through have shaped you. They won't understand completely how you became the person that you are today. But as much as you are the principal character in your story, really our lives are just a little snippet in the pages of history. We are actually secondary characters to the real story. And the real story is about Jesus Christ. And that is the best story. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we uh, just think about how you've blessed us, Lord, we want to thank you for allowing us to be a part of your story of salvation. And how uh, we also ask that you would be uh, allowing us to see ourselves through your eyes, Lord, that we would guard ourselves, and Lord, that you would protect us, that we would not follow the mistakes of Lot. Lord, that you would bring glory to your name through how we live our lives, and that it may be said of us that we are people of faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.